lights, camera, philosophy. It's the 2020 Dionysus Awards for the most thought-provoking movies of the past year. And the nominees are for the most stimulating and stressful vision of today's America. What are the criteria for evaluating what's a violation of privacy? Is privacy a civil right? I think so. Maybe the law isn't so sure. For the most morally stimulating and or morally desensitizing movie of the year. For dopest doctor documentary. I don't remember a thing about Rolling Thunder. Okay. I mean, it, it happened so long ago, I wasn't even born. Which movies of the past year challenged your assumptions and made you think about things in new ways? The 2020 Dionysus Awards. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. If you like Philosophy Talk, you might also enjoy podcasts from our friends at the IAI, the Institute of Art and Ideas. Check them out at IAI.tv. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, a program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Jeremy Sable. And I'm Josh Landy. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative, and I teach in Stanford's program in structured liberal education. Jeremy teaches philosophy, he's got a background in philosophy, and he's also involved in filmmaking, which is why I'm especially happy to welcome him as a co-host, because today it's our seventh annual Dionysus Awards show. The Dionysus Awards are presented each year to some of our favorite, most thought-provoking movies of the past 12 months. One of which turned out to be a big winner at this year's Oscars. That's Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Later in the show, we'll ask Jin-hee Che from King's College London whether she thinks it also deserves the Dionysus Award for most morally stimulating and or desensitizing movie of the year. We'll also consider a pair of nominations for the most stimulating and stressful vision of today's America, as well as a couple of more or less nonfiction films competing for dopest doctor documentary. And to help us get started, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to explore some music-themed movies of the past year. Documentaries, biopics, and more. She files this report. You don't usually go to the movie theater to see musicians. But if you went to the movies in 2019, you probably heard a lot of music and saw actors playing the best and worst versions of your favorite singers. There was Rocket Man, where Elton John becomes famous, struggles to accept his sexuality, and, spoiler alert, eventually goes to rehab for addiction. People don't pay to see Reginald Dwight. They pay to see Elton John. There was Judy, where Judy Garland is already famous, does not go to rehab, and another spoiler alert, dies shortly after belting out somewhere over the rainbow. This next one. It isn't a song about getting anywhere. It's about walking toward somewhere that you've dreamed of. These movies all include some fiction to capture the singer's lives, or at least how we want to remember them. Boy, sure hope we get to Boston on time. 
but the film Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story, is on a whole different level. Well, when you said marriage, I assume you, you meant marriage between two people. Yeah. Did you? Well, no, mental marriage. Mental marriage? Yeah. Ah, well, that's interesting. The film uses real footage from Dylan's 1975 Rolling Thunder Review Tour, but it's filled with made-up stories and people who only pretend they were there. It's a weird film. First, what I wanted to show was musicians working together, making music together. A couple of days later, he said, um, how about if you just come on the road with us? He's the guy who got me into the Rolling Thunder concert that night. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> But some film critics have argued there's no better way to capture the spirit of Bob Dylan than through trickery and games. The movie, I have since learned, is meant to be a kind of riddle, like the 60s, like the singer himself. Because it's not, it's about nothing. It's, a, it's just something that happened 40 years ago. And go, that's the truth of it. Why don't we go down that road? Okay, we can. <laughs> Let's go. Bob Dylan is known for surrounding himself in mystery and obscurity. Bruce Springsteen, though, he tells it like it is. The movie Blinded by the Light is straightforward. It's not about musicians so much as the fans. So, tell me about the boss. Bruce, the direct line to all this true and this world. The film centers around a Pakistani teenager living in 1980s England who discovers the boss. It's like Bruce knows everything I've ever felt, everything I've ever wanted. I mean, Sometimes I feel so weak, I just want to explode. Explode and tear this whole town apart. Take a knife and cut this pain from my heart. The film Yesterday is also about fandom, but in reverse. It imagines a world where the Beatles have been totally forgotten. Only one guy remembers them, and he attempts to capitalize on all their songs. Hey dude, are you sure? He's right. That's, that's so much better. Is he? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, dude, mm -hmm. don't make it fast. Definitely going to be one of the best songs of the generation. Hey, wake up, dude, wake up, Joe. Musicians can inspire tragic, weird, uplifting, and surreal movies. And many of these films make us think about fame and loneliness, the value of songs, and how we connect with each other. But to be honest, and maybe this was the point, most of these films just made me want to listen to the music instead. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Thanks for that great report, Holly. I'm Josh Landy, and I'm here with my Stanford colleague, Jeremy Sable. Today we're thinking about the most philosophical movies of 2019 for our annual Dionysus Awards. So... One of the movies that Holly mentioned was Martin Scorsese's Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story. Holly said it was a controversial film. No kidding. Right, which is why it's a candidate for our dopest Doctor Documentary Award. The other film in this category is a very different kind of film, which, full disclosure, came out at the very end of 2018. They Shall Not Grow Old by Peter Jackson. This is a film assembled out of old footage from the Imperial War Museum, out of interviews with British servicemen about World War I. Hey, I, I think I see where you're going with these, right? These are both documentaries, but they're both uh, tinkered with a little bit, right? In the case of Peter Jackson, 
he's taken this original footage, but he's colorized it. He slowed it down so that it looks a bit more realistic, as we would say, um, and added sound, right? The, you can hear the horses. And That's you right. You can hear the cannons and things like that. And then in the case of Scorsese, what's going on there, Jeremy? Yeah, well, so, uh, Josh, there's a number of elements of the film which are uh, fictionalized, and they don't announce themselves as such. So, uh, for example, there is a filmmaker who is ostensibly responsible for the archival footage of this tour. Uh, Stefan van Dorp. I wanted to show the land of Petrox and Super Slurpees from 7-Eleven. L'Amérique Insolite. I would go on the road with the Rolling Thunder Review. Right here. So Scorsese has shot this footage in such a way as to make it seem real. And artfully added uh, Stefan von Dorp's uh, voice to the archival footage. So it sounds like as they're going backstage up the stairs, he's right there with them talking about what's going to happen next. Asking Dylan questions and Dylan is sort of, you know, refusing to answer. Van Dorp, I want to tell you something. <laughs> What's he doing? Well, I'm a little befuddled by Scorsese's choices. Um, we could defend him saying that as Dylan's a fabulist, so is he. And that kind of playful um, messing with us is certainly something that comes out in the film and is not only coming from Dylan, but Joan Baez, right, who who talks about um, moments not on stage but off stage where she impersonates Dylan and people believe that she's actually Dylan and she's got the hat on and the weird makeup and the mask. And there was this table of like food and catering and coffee, and Louie was there, and I said, Hanson, give me some coffee. And say, so, people, got me some coffee like that. Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want milk? Do you want sugar? And I just had a cigarette in my hand going like that. And they treated me the way they treat Bob. Do you want this? Do you want that? What can we do? It was amazing. So that element is present in the film, and Scorsese's own uh, echo of it or mimicking of it doesn't feel necessarily out of place, but I'm not really sure what it adds. I mean, I feel like the fascinating aspect of Dylan, and in this case, Joan Baez doing that, kind of stands on its own, and and Scorsese's kind of just muddying the water. Right. There's all these weird omissions. I mean, at the time of this tour, Dylan is filming... A fiction film, Renato and Clara, that stars him and his wife, Sarah. He's singing the song, Sarah, pretty much every spot on that tour. But Sarah doesn't make any appearance in this movie. There's no discussion of the greatness of the songs. There's all kinds of things that aren't there. And then on the other hand, there's all this stuff that wasn't happening that just seems to get added for no reason at all and that could risk convincing certain people, ugh, I guess... You can't trust anything. Um, how about the other film that you mentioned, They Shall Not Grow Old, that uh, wonderful film by Peter Jackson about World War One? Because, you know, World War One obviously still resonates with us as an important event. But it's so far away in history now that it almost as though it's the Peloponnesian War or something mm-hmm. like that. But watching this film, it feels like a thing that happened. In fact, it feels like a thing that's happening. Machine gun bullets came at us like hailstones. I didn't realize that the swish swish were bullets. I look round and people are dropping all around you. I mean, they just faded away, you know, on either side of you. And I thought, oh, what were shooting at me for? <laughs> Peter Jackson said a lovely thing about this because, you know, the, the folks who fought in uh, World War I saw a war in color. They didn't see it in black mm-hmm. and white. Right. So there's a way in which 
his tweaking of the footage actually makes it more real as opposed to less real. Yeah, right. And 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 there, you know, we could imagine a defense of all all kinds of imaginative reconstructions, like what's historical fiction about, right? So maybe that's the same kind of impulses. But we're making stuff up, and maybe maybe we should, in this historical moment, um, on the same principle, be skeptical, be worried about Jackson's directorial impulse to bring this event back to life and give it a particular coherence and an angle. And here, Josh, I'm not only thinking about this masterful kind of technical job that he's done, but also in this kind of weaving together of the visual experience of these very young soldiers with the recordings of the the soldiers, the participants in this war, much later on in their lives, looking back retrospectively. So two acts of memory, right? This kind of cultural act of memory by Jackson, but also these individual soldiers looking back on their own experience as we're seeing them as young men on the screen. We're hearing these older men reflect on their experiences, and some of those recollections seem very odd to me. Well, I can only say one thing. I wouldn't have missed it. It was terrible at times, but I wouldn't have missed it. Oh, yes. If I could have my time again, I'd go through it all over again because I enjoyed the service life. And this is an aspect of the film which actually ties it strangely back to one of the other redeemable features of the Scorsese-Dillon project, which is this strange cognitive dissonance between the uh, characters we see in the archival footage, Dillon and, and Baez principally, and the interviews with them in the contemporary moment that were filmed for Scorsese's film, uh, where we hear them say very different things about um, than the things we're seeing. So there's this kind of conflict between the retrospective voice versus the kind of naive, young, um, enthusiastic participant in the fray that we see on screen in the footage. But there still remains a big question that we have, which is we have to decide um, which of these two films, They Shall Not Grow Old and Rolling Thunder Review, is in fact for this year the dopest doctored documentary. Well, I mean, for me, it's no question. The project of Peter Jackson, that's a coherent project. I think it makes the movie, if anything, more real rather than less real. Whereas on the side of Scorsese, it's not clear what the plan was. And I really do fear that it's just another drop in that big bucket of confusion about what is real and what isn't. So you're saying that the Dionysus Award for 2020, the dopest Doctor documentary, should go to... They shall not grow old. No regrets and no horrors. Because if you survive that, you can survive anything. You're listening to Philosophy Talk. It's our seventh annual Dionysus Awards show, honoring the most philosophically compelling movies of 2019. Coming up, Josh and I will announce winners in the categories of most stimulating and stressful vision of today's America, and most morally enthralling and or desensitizing film. More Dionysus winners, along with nominations from you, our listeners, when Philosophy Talk continues. I laid on the beat and I looked at the sky. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org. 